The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the Man Coverage Podcast on Pride of Detroit. I am your host, Mike Payton. We have a very special guest today. Very, very, very special. Uh, earlier in the season, we had Dan Miller of WJR on on the, the the voice of the Lions. Now we got the man who's sitting right next to him every game day. But of course, of course, you know this guy a lot better for what he's done on the field. I'm I'm talking about a, a Super Bowl champion, seven time Pro Bowler, three time First Team All Pro, one of the best tackles that's ever come through Detroit. Ladies and gentlemen, Lomas Brown joining us today. Thanks for coming on, Lomas. Wow, you made me sound awesome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you, you want me to you want me to say more good things about you? First know, team All know, SEC. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate being on the show, man. And look, you had the legend on the show, and Dan Miller, man. I tell you what, man, that guy's just awesome. That's why my transition to the, the radio booth has been so, I wouldn't say easy, but it's, it's been it's just been a lot smoother because of Dan, the way he does things, how he handles his professionalism. It just rubs off on you and it makes you want to do better. So that's the guy, man, the voice, as I call him, because that man can make a field goal sound exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he is he is definitely the best in the business, and like I said, we had him on our first episode, and I was a little nervous about uh, hosting a podcast for Pride of Detroit for the first time. But he he made it so easy. I mean, he was yeah. open, and uh, yeah, it was like yeah, it was like I had been doing it for twenty years because of him. So <laughs> yeah, he's definitely the best. Yes, that sounds like him. <laughs> <laughs> So normally what we do with uh, with our guests is we'll kind of get into uh, early life of, of, you know, and career and sort of that with, with uh, you know, some of the Detroit media members that we talk to. But, but with Lomas, like everybody knows everything about you for the most part. Uh, so what I really want to talk about is, is kind of the human experiences that you've had throughout your career, because I'm really interested in um, what it feels like to have some of these experiences that most of us will never experience. So what I kind of want to do is I want to go back to the, to the early days uh, of your youth in, in Miami. And I just want to know, uh, you know when, when was it when you first realized that, you know, Hey, I'm pretty good at this and maybe I could make a career out of this someday. Well, you know, for me, it, it, it's been a little different for me. Um, Meaning I was never that kid that set out to say I was going to go to college or I was going to be a professional football player. Things just kind of happened for me. For example, um, I was in the band, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. I played trombone. And what happened was my first day of high school, I went in, I registered for classes. I was walking out the auditorium. Someone was like, hey, I turned around. I didn't know it was, he was the principal of the school. He called me over to him. 
and he asked me a simple question. He asked me, did I sign up for varsity sports? And I said, no. And he grabbed me by the arm, and he took me back in the auditorium, and he signed me up for varsity sports. I didn't know what it was, and it was the last period of the day. And come to find out, he had signed me up for football. So I was always the type of kid that I never liked disappointing people. I would do things even if I didn't want to do it, just to, um, just to not disappoint someone. So I went out there to practice. I went out there the first day. I went out there the second day. went out there the third day. And as they say, the rest was history. You know, that's kind of how my football career started. You know, I, hadn't, I didn't play until I got into high school. And then even at the University of Florida, <clears throat> I was there. And really, my junior year, an uh, agent came in to see Wilbur Marshall, who was a great linebacker that I played with at the University of Florida. He came in to see Wilbur, and he just happened to have the Bledsoe scouting report with him. And he showed me where I was ranked at in my uh, in my junior year at the University of Florida, and I was the 84th ranked person at that time. And I I didn't have an idea where I was. I didn't have an idea about the NFL. That wasn't even a thought of mine. But once I seen that report and seen where I was ranked at, it gave me the motivation for my senior year to go out there and to bust my butt, to do everything I could to try to improve where I was, and that's what happened. So, you know, I just feel all that to say things just kind of happen for me. It's not things that I set out to do. It's just kind of how my life has been, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Uh, wow. Lomas Brown and the band. I mean, what what, uh, <laughs> what instrument did you play? Trombone. You still you still break out the trombone every now and again. You know what? You know what? I, I said <laughs> I, I said that somebody made a suggestion to me, and I said if I ever got in the Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, I think I'm gonna break out the trombone. That's how I'm gonna introduce <laughs> myself to the world with the trombone. So yeah, so I hadn't been on it in years and years, and let me impress you one more time with the trombone. So I played, okay. I got all the way up to the second chair, you know, one away from the first chair. I got all the way up the second chair of trombone, and that was with braces in my mouth. Now, imagine that. Now, you know how you press that thing against that mouthpiece against your mouth to play an instrument? Right. I had on braces and still made it to the second string trombone. I felt pretty proud of myself. Man, I, yeah. When I was in junior high, I really wanted to play trombone, and then when I, I tried it, it because I assumed it was the easiest instrument. It is not. It it's a lot harder <laughs> no, than it looks. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, maybe one of these days we're gonna see you up there in that gold jacket playing trombone on TV. That uh, that would be amazing to see. <laughs> if they put that yellow jacket on my back, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> So then, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, being a Gator there for a moment. Um, what I want to talk about next is, you know, every time you turn on the NFL draft, the NBA draft, whatever draft it may be, the the commentator will always say something like, this is the most important moment of, of these kids' lives, and this is the biggest night of their life. And so I kind of take me back to 1985, you know, the six pick rolls around. Pete Rizal gets on the stage. And he calls your name. I mean, I know it's a lot different than it was, than it is now. I'm sure it was back then. It was probably in a banquet hall at a hotel or something like that. But uh, were you were you were you there that day? Uh, and what was that like? Well, you know, again, I was a six square pick. I was at home, and back then in '85, we had twelve rounds. Uh, so we it started. The draft started at nine a.m. I think. By about 9.30-something, 9.35 or so, I was drafted. The Lions had called me. And the the crazy thing, my thing was more shock than anything else because I had never heard from the Lions, never, during, the, the, during recruiting, uh, the combines, 
They never came out to test me. The name Detroit Lions never came up. I heard from the Lions two draft picks um, before they had the, the, the choice to draft. And uh, Darrell Rogers called me on the phone, and he said, if Minnesota takes uh, Chris Dolman and Indianapolis takes Dwayne Bickett, we're going to choose you. Lo and behold, that's what happened. And Dale Rogers called me, and I was completely shocked. So it was an awkward silence on the phone. And then he asked me, he said, aren't you happy? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, I was. it was more shocking for me because I hadn't heard from Detroit. But once I got through that initial shock, I'm telling you, man, it's like it was like I was seeing through – at first, I was seeing through black and white lenses, and and once I got drafted, it w- it went to color. And the reason why I say that is because I knew then that I would be able to take care of my family. I would be able to put us in a better situation, you know, than where we were um, in Miami. You know, I knew it was things that I would be able to do. You know, once once my dad told me, he said, son, you're going to pay more in taxes than I've ever made in my whole life. And, you know, and that kind of meant something to me because that means that I would be able, like I say, to turn around not just only my family, but my generation, generational people that's coming behind me. So I was just real proud of that. And that's when the moment really hit me that this was big and that I was really, you know, really on the crust of being able to do something really great for the Brown family. Yeah, that's something I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand when they, when you see, when you see these kids, you know, they're, they're real young, 20, you know, 22, 24. They're changing the, like you said, they're changing the entire lineage of their family. I mean, because you're now making it easier for, for people to go to college or you're making it easier on your parents. You know, it, it's, it just affects every generation um, when you get picked in the NFL or the NBA or whatever it may be. Um, that's just yeah, amazing no, to, to, to hear yeah, that. It really is. And and, the being, and like you said, that was a great point you're saying, being young, being 21 years old and being able to do that, you know. And, yeah, you're doing it with your physical abilities. But if you're right and you're smart about things, like you say, it could set you up for the rest of your life and set up generations to come behind you because – an effort, you become an organization. You are a walk, walking organization if you think about it. So it's a great privilege, and that's why I think guys in the NFL, they, you know, you have to look at the NFL as a privilege. You should be privileged to be in the NFL. A lot of guys don't look at it that way. They look at it as that they belong. You know, that it's about them. It's never been about them, man. And it's, the NFL has been around 100 years, and they'll be around another 100 years. So, you know, you should be privileged to say that you've played in the NFL, the highest level you could play at. Yeah, I would imagine that, um, you know, there was a lot of hard work getting to the NFL, but I would imagine when you got to the NFL, the hard, the hard, hard work really started. Is that is that probably you. true? <laughs> oh man, that man, that is such. And you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because that is such a true statement. That's what guys don't realize. The young kids don't realize that is that it's the hardest thing is not getting in the NFL. The hardest thing is staying in the in in the NFL because you got young guys coming in every year trying to take your job. You got a coach that's on the hot seat. You know, you making too much against the cap. You stay too injured. You're getting too old. You know, your skills are eroding. It's every reason in the book for you not to be in the NFL or for another guy to take your place in the NFL. And you got to compete with that each and every year. So you're right. The hardest thing is not getting in. You may get that opportunity. But I tell you what, the hard thing is going to be staying in the NFL. Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, I, you couldn't say it any better. Um, what I want to 
get to next is this is going to be hard for Lions fans to talk about. This is going to be a tough one here. Now you were part of that 1991 team. You you're you're the only you're you're a member of the only Lions team in the Super Bowl era to win a playoff game. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh why why do you think, you know, that early 90s Lions, you know, what you were part of, why do you guys think that uh or why do you think you guys never never won the big one? What was the team missing, in your opinion? We needed a quarterback. We needed a quarterback. We had the quarterback in Eric Kramer and Rodney Pete. Rodney, as you know, Rodney was injury prone. That was the only problem with Rodney Pete. Rodney Pete could do it all for us. But Rodney, it was just his health. We had Eric Kramer. He was the guy that engineered the 1991 victory over Dallas. Um, and to me, why we let Eric Kramer go to the Chicago Bears after that season, I have no idea. Then we go and we get Scott Mitchell. And I think the mistake that was made by the organization when we got Scott Mitchell was they didn't tell Scott where we were in that locker room, meaning they didn't let Scott know that how important it was for him to come in there and to lead this team. We were ready. We had everything else. Think about this team now. You think about on the offense, you got two all pros on the offensive line and Ben Kevin Glover. You got the best running back in the league and Barry Sanders. You got the triplets at receiver, like you said, Brett Herman and Johnny Morton. All right. You look at the defensive side of the ball. You know, you got Jerry Ball, Chris Spielman. You got Benny Blaze. You got William White. You got Ray Crockett. You know, we just loaded George Jamison. We just loaded on the defensive Jeez. side of the ball. Then you even go to the special teams. We got Eddie Murray. I played with Eddie Murray and Jason Hansen. And then what about Jim Arnold, all-pro punter? And then you got Mel Gray, one of the greatest returners in, in, in the NFL history. So we had a right. team. What we needed was a quarterback to really lead us. And if we would have had that, I think we could have did a lot more in the 90s than we did. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane to, to think about how good that team was. I mean, I, I mean, I remember playing with you guys in the video games and just, yes, just going off, you know, <laughs> right. You You're know, right. Mel, Mel Gray was, Mel Gray was a guaranteed touchdown almost every time. And uh, obviously Barry was too. I mean, yeah, that, that team was unstoppable in the video game world. <laughs> it was, it really, you uh, know, uh, the, the Rams, they get the credit for the greatest show on turf. But if we were the one, we, uh, Herman, Herman and their numbers were better than Isaac Bruce and those guys' number, Tory Holtz and those numbers. Herman and them had better numbers than them. But that thing that they did that we didn't do is they won. And that's how they got all the credit. But we, I think we had more weapons than they had back in the day when they had the greatest show on turf. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue that. I mean, you've obviously had the greatest running back of all time. I, uh, no doubt. I mean, the best ever. I, I don't think there's anybody better. I don't know. You played with him. No. Um, would they, you agree? No, they say I'm biased. They say I'm biased. When I say it, they say I'm biased. <laughs> but I'll say it hands down the greatest to play the game. So, you know, every time I say it, you know, they think, you know, because I block for them, you know, that's the reason why I'm saying it. But I'm saying it because every Monday morning or every Monday evening in the meeting rooms after a Sunday game, here it would be about four or five plays you'll see and you'll be like, how in the world did he do that? You, and I mean, he going to give you five amazing plays every game. They may not make the highlights, you know, on TV, but I'm telling you, every time we went in the film room, man, you're going to see some plays you ain't never seen before in your life. And that, and it may be a two-yard run. It may be a negative run, but it's going to be some of the best stuff you've ever seen. That's why I say he's the best I've ever played, you know, I've ever seen and ever played with, hands down. Yeah, man, I just – yeah, just hearing stories like that—that's awesome to hear. Um, so I want to go. 
I want to go back to Florida to wrap this segment up. We're going to go back to Florida. In 2002, you were uh, part of the Super Bowl winning uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tell me about what that was like, because a lot of guys, and they don't get to win the big one. You know, um, a lot of guys say they go their whole career trying to win that Super Bowl. Um, and, and you got it in the last year of your career. What was that like to finally hoist that thing over your head? It was awesome. And I'm going to give you a quick story. Two years early, I was with the Giants when I went to my first Super Bowl. So the guard that lined up next to me was Glenn Parker. Glenn Parker was an offensive guard on the four Buffalo Bill teams that lost the Super Bowls in a row. So the night before the, that night before the Super Bowl, Glenn came to me, and he was like, Lomas, he said, if we lose this game, he said, it's going to be the worst feeling you ever felt in your life. And I just blew him off. Oh, yeah, you lost four of them. You know, that's probably the way you feel. I just blew him off. I promise you, when that final whistle went off and we lost to the Baltimore Ravens, I wanted to lay on that field and slit my wrist and just bleed out. Just bleed out on the field, man. He was so right. It was the worst feeling I had ever felt. You know, uh, football feeling that I had ever felt. Didn't go to the after party. Didn't do any of that. And conversely, you do two years later, I got an opportunity to go with Coach Gruden in Tampa Bay and the winning, oh, my gosh, it was just such the opposite, man. It was just, you know, because finally, you know, in my 18th year, finally reached the pinnacle, finally got to the highest of my sport, uh, which was the NFL and which was the Super Bowl, and we won it. You know, I won it. And if you think about it, I played 18 years in, in the pros, four years in college at the University of Florida and three years at Miami Springs Senior High. And that was my first championship I won in my last year in the NFL. So, and that was my first and only championship I won. So, you know, like I say, it it was just, it was almost just like a relief, you know, and I think that's probably the reason why I didn't go. Pittsburgh called me that next year to come in. Coach Howard wanted me to come there. That probably was the reason why I didn't go. It's because, like I said, I felt like I had finally achieved and finally reached the pinnacle of my career. And winning that Super Bowl, to me, you know, it means more now. You know, when I, when kids see me with that ring on, that's what they want to talk about. That's what they want to look at. They don't care that I played 18 years in the NFL and went to seven Pro Bowls. All they want to see is the Super Bowl victory ring. So it means so much, especially at this point in my life. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean... Eight, you know, that's weird to, to not win a, a state championship or national champ. The first championship you win is the biggest possible championship to win. I mean, the one that everybody in the court in the country is, is looking at all the time and the biggest sport in the country. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's amazing. And it felt that way. It felt amazing yeah. to be able to do that. You're absolutely right. All right. I want to. I want to get into the current day Lions, but uh, first we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back to Man Coverage. Today we've got former Lions offensive tackle Lomas Brown with us. And uh, we're going to talk about the current day Lions. Lomas, the Lions got a a big win yesterday, uh, or on Sunday rather, uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What did you see out there that you liked? Well, finally we dominated the line of scrimmage, especially with our defensive line. And that's been the problem with the Lions over the last year or so has been the defense, especially the defensive front, not being able to get pressure on the opposing quarterbacks and especially not being able to stop the run. And yesterday, man, they were able to do both, man. They shut a Jacksonville team down, especially 
uh, James Robinson, who had been hot through those first three or four games, shut him completely down. They were able to get pressure on Gardner Minshew, you know, on a regular basis uh, without having to do a lot of blitzing. So to me, that meant that on some of their one-on-one matchups, they were winning them up front. And that's what needs to happen because, as we all know, the pass rush is tied in with the secondary. So when those guys get a good rush on the quarterback, it really helps those guys in the secondary a lot. So hopefully this blueprint that they use against Jacksonville, they can take it and continue to use it throughout the rest of the season. So earlier in the in the week last week, Matt Patricia said he wanted to simplify the, the defense a little bit and, and do less. Um, you know, as a former player, how, how big of a how big of a change is that to just kind of uh, and how often does that happen where a team will just say, all right, let's just kind of go back to basics. Let's focus on what we're good at and then we'll kind of try all these other things later. Is that just a normal occurrence? Oh, yeah, that's nothing new. I mean, with your good coaches, that's what they do. And if you think about it, your good teams, they have a staple of plays, you know, that you you can recognize. You know, it's the plays that these teams run every year, and it's plays that these teams run good. And that's what you have to be able to do. I remember plenty of times back in the day, that's what we would do especially if we were struggling on offense, the coach would come in and he would say, look, we're going to shorten this playbook up. We're going to take plays out. We're going to go back with our base plays, the plays that we know how to run good, um, and we're going to get back the bases. And that's what you have to do sometimes, especially when you're struggling or you're a team that's struggling. And I think that was a great thing. If that's what Coach did, I think that was a great thing for him to do. It just takes so much pressure off of the guys when they know. And as you know, if you're hesitant in football, you're wrong. You know, you can't be hesitant. That's one thing you can't be hesitant in. You got to be going full speed, and you got to know what you're doing and where you're going. And I think that was part of the problems. The guys seemed like they didn't know where they were going. And if you don't know where you're going someplace, you're not going to go there full speed. So that just compounded the problem, too. So hopefully, again, like I said, hopefully this is the blueprint um, that they're going to use the rest of this season. Yeah, that's kind of that goes to my next question. I mean, do you think that this is sustainable? You you got a an Atlanta team that's not very good coming up, but they do have a, a very, very tough offense. I mean, do you think that the Lions can can go on a run here? I mean, is this uh, are, are we looking at, uh, you know, kind of another bad season? Well, I mean, I have to caution people that just like the Lions are looking at the Lama like they can win that game. Atlanta's looking at the Lions the same way. Atlanta's looking at the Lions saying, hey, they got to come to our dome. This is a team that we should be able to beat. So, you know, teams feel confident going up against the Lions. So the thing that they're going to have to do is, like I say, they're going to have to take that effort. They're going to have to take everything that they did from the the Jacksonville game and rolling into that game with more effort, with more details, to paying attention to the details, you know, with better execution, you know, without the, some of the penalties, uh, without some of the things that they did to shoot themselves in the foot during the Jacksonville game, you can't have those mistakes or penalties during playing a, a team like Atlanta because they're a much better team than Jacksonville. They have a much better quarterback. They got much better weapons than Jacksonville have. So those some of those mistakes you got away with against Jacksonville, you can't afford to have them against uh, Atlanta or they'll take advantage of it. So, you know, if they could go into the game in the right mind frame, and like I say, they should be confident. They should be confident after coming off this game then they'll have an opportunity. And if you look at it the rest of the season, you know, they got great opportunities the rest of the season, but they got to take care of business on Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One of the things I want to talk to you about, since you're a former offensive lineman, you're the Lions offensive line. 
quite often. It's, it's and now I understand the uh, flags and penalties. It's a part of the game, um, but it seems like so often the Lions' offensive line are getting called for holding or hands to the face or. What, what do you think that is? Do you do you think that speaks to their performance on the field, or well, you know, you is it just happen? Well, you know what? The other thing that's bad is it, it's, it's the time and the when it happens. That's why it seems so bad for the Lions, because when it happens, it's at the wrong time most of the time. It takes away a big play. Uh, I know we had one that called back a touchdown one time before. We've had him call first downs back. Um, so, to me, I don't think it's happening as much. I think it's more so when it's happening. Um, and that's a lot of times, that's how you call it. That's what you say about bad penalties. You know, it could be the same. You can have one lineman get a holding penalty. You can have another lineman get a holding penalty and call that a bad penalty depending on the time and the when he got it. If it brought back a touchdown, if it brought back a big run, if it caused this, if it caused us to go from, uh, uh, you know, third and one on the one-yard line to third and six whatever on that yard line. So, you know, that's the thing about it. So I don't know if they've had a large amount of penalties, especially up front, but I know the penalties that they have have had up front, they they have been killers. They have been penalties that have really been killers. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it's it's just something you kind of get used to as a Lions fan. It happens. It happens <laughs> awful, an awful lot. I mean, DeAndre Swift had had two great runs yesterday. They got called back. He probably would have had 120 some odd yards or something uh, had they not. And so I, I, I guess it kind of all leads me to this big question. Now you played for the Lions for 10 years, and you've now been you've been covering the Lions for a few years, and you've just kind of always been around the team. Uh, a lot of fans feel this way, and I want to know how you feel. Are the Lions cursed? I mean, I don't, I don't think they are. I don't. But do you think the Lions are cursed? Wow, that's a, you know, I don't, I don't think they're cursed. But man, it, it, it's something. Yeah, I don't think it's a curse, but it's just something, man. Because you know, it's just it, it, it's frustrating as a Lion fan, which I am now. You know, now that I don't play anymore, now I'm a fan, and it's just frustrating. And I think the thing that frustrates Lions fans is that it's the same thing they see happen over and over again, number one. Number two, I think it's you watch other teams that may start where the Lions are, but they're getting better. I mean, they, they seem like they're getting better. Who, who would have thought Chicago would be 5-1? and one? I would never thought Chicago would be 5-1, you know, at this point. You know, no. some of the other teams, you know, you have these young quarterbacks coming in the league and you wonder why, you know, <clears throat> these guys are able to come in the league and they take their teams right away. They uplift their teams. You look at Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. You just look at how they've elevated their team since they're, they've been there. You know, so as a Lions fan, look at inside out, you're like, wow, man, all these other teams could do that. They could get the right draft picks. We can't get the right draft picks. We can't seem to do things right. After a while, they just kind of it's almost like, man, you get a scar. You know, you cut yourself and you get a scar and it it has a scar up and it just has the heel back up. Well, Lion fans have been scarred for so many years, man. It's just hard to just kind of penetrate that. You can't blame them. It's not like, you know, they want to be that way, but that's just how things have been for the organization for like 50-something years. One playoff victory. That's just crazy to me. You know? But hopefully hopefully things will change soon because they really need to. Because to me, we got the best fans, some of the best fans in the NFL right here. They're just waiting, hoping. Do you ultimately think things will change under Patricia or are we, you know, looking at a new coach next year? We, I'm hoping that they change. I just don't think they are. You know, I just don't think they are. I mean, you know, I'm hoping 
you know, I'm hoping that this game was a game that has them turning the corner. I just don't know. I just don't feel it. I just think we still have some holes that we have to fill as a team. I still think the division, you know, you got the division that's tough now with Green Bay doing what they're doing and Chicago doing what they're doing. It's a good thing that we were able to add another playoff spot this year. But you got a lot of good teams in the NFC, especially out in the NFC West, where you got Seattle, San Fran, and those teams out there playing real good. So, uh, you know, it's just going to be tough. And I know that, you know, they want to win. And I know uh, Shillahan wants to win. And, you know, I don't know if the playoffs are the mandate for them staying here, but. I just think it's going to be tough. You put yourself in a hole, it's going to be kind of tough digging out that hole. Yeah, without question. Um, You know, right now, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I want to get to the lightning round with you, Lomas. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right. Welcome back to Man Coverage. We've got Lomas Brown of the Detroit Lions with us today. We're going to put you through the lightning round. Now, this is going to be 10 questions. Some of them, some of them are football related. Some are entertainment. Some are food. Uh, everybody else has survived it. Are you ready, Lomas? I am ready. All right, let's start you off right here. What are you watching right now? What do you got on Netflix or Hulu oh. or HBO? What are you watching, uh, man? Well, you know I'm an ESPN fanatic. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm right now, as we talk, I got PTI on watching it right now, but I, I do HBO. I, I like HBO. Yep. I like it. Any specific shows or, uh, anything, anything um, like that that you're into? Well, you know, you know, my show was game of Thrones and of course that's going off. So they got, they got this interesting show on, um, come on showtime called P Valley. So they got some shows out there. So, you know, now that we've been in lockdown, man, you get plenty of time to watch movies and shows now. Absolutely. All right. Next, next question. Uh, this, this is going to be a hard one for, this is a hard one for everybody. And you can name multiple guys if you want to. Um, who's your favorite football player ever? Wow. Um, I'm going to start off with the little fella, of course, Barry. Uh, right. Number one. Number two would have to be probably Paul Warfield because I'm a doll fan. Um, Paul Warfield and, and Larry Zonka probably my two. Every time they would play a game, after the game, we would go outside and I would pretend I'm either Paul Warfield or Larry Zonka, big as I was. I, I'm playing wide receiver and running back. <laughs> but that, yeah, probably – and of course, I got an opportunity to meet Walter Payton, and that was just like 
awesome. But, yeah, I would say those probably those guys right there. Yeah, okay. It's a couple of Dolphins and, uh, and Barry. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, 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 uh, you still have any love for the Dolphins? or? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. We're still open, man. You know, yeah, hey, you know, you grew up with a team, man. That's your team, you know. So I like to say 1A is the Dolphins, 1B is the Lions. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, all right, this could be this this could be another one. real hard one right here, Lomas. Real hard right here. Uh, uh, Backstreet Boys or In Sync? Oh man, all the way with Backstreet. Wait, 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 hold on. What what oh. was Justin in Timberland? J- Justin's in In Sync. That okay? Then In Sync all the way. All right, man. Now. Yep. There you go. Lomas, you broke the streak. Everybody had said Backstreet Boys the last two weeks. So now it's in sync. Really? Back to in sync. Oh, no, <laughs> man. Just, Justin Timberlake, a young Justin Timberlake. Come on, man. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, dogs or cats? Man. Dogs all the way, man. I can't um I can't stand cats, man. They like they like big big rodents to me, man. So I'm, I got a phobia about cats. So dogs all the way. Now watch out, Lomas. The cat people are going to come against you, man. Uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got the big old dog over here waiting on them cat people. Uh, all right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Wow, man. That was a good one. So I got a couple of them, but... The one I really I can watch over and over is Ali, uh, the one that Will Smith uh, did. Yep. Great movie. Uh, yes, and then I love Shawshank Redemption. I love that movie. I could just stop and watch. I don't see it so many times, but I could just watch it over and over again. Uh, so I think off the top of my head, those are two. I'm, I know it's some more. But like off the top of my head, those are two that just jump out at me, uh, especially Will Smith in that man, uh, and and Denzel Washington too. I like him in American Gangster. You know. So oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's a yeah, that's not a good one. That was yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah. All right. So every week, I take one of I take my guests through a scenario, and and uh, and you're going to be no different, Lomas. So here we go. Let me see where I want to do this. I'm gonna put you. I'm gonna put you at your opponent's 35 yard line, and I'm gonna give you, let's say, 50 seconds left. One timeout. You're down by six. You got you got your boy Rodney Pete as your quarterback. They're the 91 Lions. How are you guys gonna go win that game? Mm, so you say I got 50 seconds and one timeout. One timeout at your opponent's thirty-five, and you got you know you're the 90, 91 Lions. Ninety-one Lions. What I'm gonna do is gonna be a draw play to Barry. I'm gonna spread everybody out. Um, Rodney's gonna take the hand off. I'm gonna give it a draw play. I'm gonna fake it like it's a pass and hand it off to Barry and let him do what he does. And if he can't get in, then then my next play is a corner jump ball to Herman Moore. You know, that's how we're going to get in now. You know, Herman was a high jump champion in college, uh, almost qualified for the Olympics. He's 6'3", so I'm going to tell him to run to the corner, and as Rodney Pete, I'm going to throw it high. I'm going to give him that 50-50 chance at the ball. So those those are probably my two best plays, other than the fumble rooski where they lay it down (laughs) for me and I come around and pick it up and run it in. Other than that, those are my two favorite plays that I'll run. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I I, I like the fumble rooski. I like to see Lomas out there (laughs) running to the the house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so this this next question is going to be a little – Different. Normally, each week I'll ask our guest if they could be a pro athlete. What sport would they play? But Lomas, you were a pro athlete, so we don't, <laughs> we can't really ask you that. So my question yeah. is, if you, it, let's let's go down a different uh, path here. If you never went to the NFL, what do you think that you would be doing? Ah, uh, let's see. So, or what would you have liked to have done? Probably the one thing that's uh, that I like is I probably have been an architect. I like doodling. I like uh, 
you know, trying to draw out houses and different designs and different things like that. So I probably did, you know, probably ended up doing some type of architectural work. So I've probably been the biggest architect in the business, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Most architects aren't 6'4". Yeah. You're right. I probably would have intimidated my clients. You better take this drawing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you maybe you'd have had the tallest building in Detroit then with that. I don't know. You'd have, That's right. That's right. We'll You're see. right. <laughs> all right. What's your, now all right, this is this is gonna be a little contentious. This has been contentious for the last few weeks. What's your go to pizza toppings? Oh, yeah, oh, that's easy. Yeah, man, this is meat lovers. So you got to go with okay. Meat. meat. You can't go wrong with meat. Come on now. Meat makes everything. Amen. And especially bacon. If you top the meat off with bacon, you can never go wrong. Oh, absolutely. My favorite topping is meat. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you got to go. That's the way you got to go. You know, every week we got somebody on here talking about pineapple. Now, I, I oh can't. You gosh. just don't. You don't put, man, you can't put fruit on pizza. You just man, can't do it. <laughs> Thank you. That's not, man, you ruining the pizza, man. Absolutely. Anything besides meat and cheese, you ruined in the pizza to me. Ah, oh, Lomas, you're my best friend now, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got two more questions left. Uh, Nike or Adidas? Nike, Nike. I've been a Nike guy. Oh, but even though I've been a Nike guy all my career. But man, for some reason, man, these newer and uh, these newer model Nikes hurt the big fella feet. Now I don't know if it's because my feet are getting old, or these shoes they're technically getting, you know, different. But for some reason, Nikes haven't been as comfortable, you know, as they normally are. So I'm starting to look at Adidas. I'm a Nike guy, but I'm starting to eyeball Adidas stuff now. Oh man, Nike, if you're paying attention. You, yeah, you lose a customer here. Get get it. Hey, get it we right. in the comfort. We in the comfort. <laughs> hey, look, I wouldn't have got a pair of sketches. That's how much comfort I'm trying to be in. So look, okay. Nike, y'all got to step it up, man. Y'all losing me the sketchers too. Oh man, that's that's quite. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to go to sketchers for for life. Now. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. My my wife picks at me because she said those are the old man shoes. So oh jeez! <laughs> well, I mean, my dad has a pair of Skechers, so I guess they are the old man shoes. <laughs> All right, here's here's our final question. Now, this is this is everything for me. This is anybody who who reads my work or listens to our podcast, they know how big I am on this question. So, to ask an NFL player, former NFL player, or this question, it is, it's huge. It's big. Okay. You played in the NFL, you played college football, you played high school football. Are quarterback wins real? Are quarterback wins real? They, no, I say no. I say no. Because it's just too much depends on it. And they, they, they have to depend on too many people. It's too many hands in the pot. You know what I'm saying? It's too many things that have to go right and too many pieces that have to move in the right direction, too many pieces that have to be on the same page for you to just say it's one man's win. It, it can't be that way, not in the NFL. You know, so, no, they the byproduct of the win, just like everybody else is, but it shouldn't be where these quarterbacks have this many wins. No, I I totally agree with that. It, that Well, to me, I totally agree with it. it shouldn't be quarterback wins because they got a small part. They got one-eleventh of the part to do on the field that the rest of the guys on the offensive side of the ball have to do with it. And if I throw in the defensive guys, it's one of 22 that they have something to do with. Right. And if you throw in special teams, it's even more. I mean, it's, uh, to, me, it's, <laughs> to, to me, it seems insane to, to, uh, to believe that one guy, I mean, uh, now, now I will agree. I will agree that a good quarterback is going to make your team better. Obviously, Absolutely. but but 
but he can't win alone. Even the best quarterbacks, uh, you know, I mean, Matthew Stafford, for a great example, really good quarterback, but has never really had a good team around him. So exactly. how can you how can you blame just him? <laughs> and that's what happens. But see, that's the, that's the thing about the quarterback, right? They get too much of the credit when you win, and they get too much of the blame when you lost. That's the truth. I agree with that. Because, I, like I said, when you lose a game, I don't think it's only on the quarterback. He may throw one of the interceptions, but you're going to have a penalty. You may have this that happened in the game. You just may have a bad call by the coach. You know, other things go on. But, again, that's how they make it up. And that's how the NFL wants it. That, look, it's a quarterback-driven league, you know. That's what they, that's how they want it. So, hey, that's why they give them the quarterbacks wins and losses. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Well, Lomas, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to, to help us out with this. And, uh, and we love hearing your voice on, on Sunday on the radio. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see you around uh, training camp when we get to see you. And, um, you know, I interviewed you in one of my, one of my first writing jobs was, uh, was to come interview you. And I just never, I mean, I always remember you just being the nicest guy I talked to that day. And, uh, so it's, it's just, uh, it's nice to, Nice to have you around, Lomas. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, today. Well, I, I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, I really do, man. And hopefully, man, hopefully we're going to see something in our lifetime, right? I mean, we deserve it, especially the fans back here, man. They deserve it. Just give me one. That's all I want. Just just one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> That's funny. Is there anything you'd, you'd like to uh, promote before we get out of here? Um, no, I'm pretty good. Just, you know, for the, with, like I say, with, with Lion fans, you know, just hang on in there. Hang on in there. I can't say what I used to say. We used to have a coach that had a funny saying, but it, you know, this is a PG show, so I'll just leave it up there. But Lion fans, hang on in there. Oh, no, Lomas, do not hold back. We are not a PG oh, show. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he used to tell us to hang on in there like an old set of balls. So I'm telling Lion fans. <laughs> I'm telling Lion fans, just hang on in there like a whole set of balls. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right, and, and we got we got to end the show on that. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming on, Lomas, and thanks again, everybody, for listening this week. And uh, we'll see you next week. Oh.